0: Episode 24, Chapter
1: 4 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Dr. Charlie Self
0: is one of our former professors at the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary. His Ph.D. from the University of California, Santa Cruz, was in modern European history with a focus on Belgian Protestantism, studies in virtue ethics, and the Holocaust. Dr. Self is the author of three books, The Divine Dance, The Power of Faithful Focus, and his most recent work, Flourishing Churches and Communities, a Pentecostal primer on faith, work, and economics for spirit-empowered discipleship. Today, Dr. Self is the Director of City Development for the Made to Flourish Network, a community of pastors connecting faith and work. Charlie has the honor of resourcing current city leaders and helping create new networks across all denominations. He's also in demand as a strategic consultant, encourager to leaders, keynote speaker, and presenter to church and civic groups. And this is just a taste of all the work he's doing. Dr. Charlie Self is probably best at stimulating people of all perspectives
1: to think deeply and act decisively. How does our discipleship, our following Jesus, affect our society? I hope from our conversation this week with Dr. Self, you have seen that discipleship isn't something that stays in the church. We follow Jesus in the everyday moments of our life, whether that be our jobs, during our commutes, at the park, or while we're buying groceries. So what we want to learn in this chapter is how does this sort of discipleship serve the flourishing of our communities? What is your biggest pet peeve? And I, I know I'm, I got to ask this question, though, because it always—we can maybe reframe it if you want to not try to tear something down, but what is your biggest pet peeve when it comes to how we teach uh, discipleship and, and following Jesus in this new kingdom of ours?
2: I have three of them. Okay? I apologize; they don't start with the same letter. Maybe when I when I write a book, they will. <laughs> We're not preaching so, a sermon here, so it's okay. <laughs> no, my first one is at youth convention and summer camp. After we've gotten kids saved again, filled with the Spirit, excited about God's work, we then ask how many of you are called to full time ministry. Now, or, or we try to get them to give a year, or you know, in other words, we 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 elevate certain functions and what i'd love to see and i put that in my book in another way is a new summer camp i'd love to see kids rededicated to christ i love seeing kids and adults filled with the spirit what i want to do i love seeing them sanctified and really getting rid of sin getting delivered getting healed but the fourth movement in this symphony what if we said are you sold out to bringing god's kingdom wherever and you know, whenever and wherever God's placing you. Oh, by the way, we've got four, five, six different rooms. If some of you are feeling the tug to be a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist, we want to meet with you. That carries responsibility. Some of you don't know yet. That's fine. Come on over here. We're just going to bless God, ask him to speak to you. Some of you are thinking about college and this area. Some of you work. The idea is you're all sold out. You're all on mission. So that's number one. Um, one one b is the word full-time ministry. Um, because ninety percent of our clergy colleagues work two or three jobs around the world. So what you can say is with with vigor, I'm a multi-occupational pastor. I am serving my church, I am serving my community, and God's allowing me to use my gifts at Apple to manage an Applebee's or to run a business. So that's first pet peeve. I think the second one is related to the first, um, but it's the um, it's keeping revival or renewal or what we call spiritual revitalization inside the walls. And so the way I like to put it historically is: we've not had an awakening for 200 years. We've had revivals and I thank God for them. And we've had amazing people touched by that, evangelism. But an awakening means that we're not only getting the church renewed, we're not only getting people converted, but we're we're changing the institutions of the community and society around us. So why I mention that is the Sunday-Monday gap when it comes to the kingdom influence on our lives. How do we how do we go hallelujah on Sunday and then step out into injustice on Monday? And by the way, that has its roots back in the 19th century when every denomination split over race and slavery. And so you have people, you have Methodists that John Wesley said in 1757, you can't be a Methodist and own a slave. And by 1857, you have Southern Methodist University. And so every denomination split my own wonderful denomination has only really honestly come to grips with this since the seventies and eighties, maybe the nineties and praise God, it's accelerating in its goodness. And that's just one issue, but that gap, I think a third pet peeve is, and this is not so much a pet peeve as, as a caution. When we talk about flourishing economic wisdom, when we talk about transformation of church and society, we're not talking about a particular religious, um, well, religious, but especially political ideology. Yeah. We're not talking about liberalism or conservativeism. Uh, we're not now. I may land mo- more one way or the other as a result of prudent Christian thinking. The question is, am I first thinking Christianly and then landing in what people would call, you know, moderate, liberal, or conservative? Uh, probably, if you. If we have a longer talk, you say, yeah, you're pretty conservative. The question is, how did I get there? Um, Because there are plenty of conservatives that will manipulate that will manipulate religious people for their ends. And and plenty of, of liberals that will do the same thing. So I think it's watching out for ideological captivity. So as we react, for example, to anthropological confusion. We're reacting to just crazy stuff on gender and identity right now. Well, what we want to do is respond with a robust biblical anthropology of what it means to be male and female in the image of God. What we don't want to do is try to bring the 50s back in in America. There are no good old days. There are only good people in old days. But what we want to do is make sure we don't revert to subcultural norms.
1: So those are three of them. So one of the ways that I really wanted to frame this chapter, and uh, the conversation has just been so good that we, we've we sort of dug down on issues, so maybe let me, we've been talking about it, so let me come back up and try to frame it real quick, and we I think we can wrap up with this, is is it's this idea, and I think you were the one that introduced it to me, but I was literally just talking to a colleague uh, right before we jumped on this call about, he's reading a book, and in it, the guy makes the—he uh, was he was in a, a prisoner of war camp, and so they were organized in these, like, you know, they, they tried to organize the camp, and what this guy realized was that the evils of society outpace and outgrow the evils of our personal actions and moral uh, misgivings. And I think you were the one that sort of pointed this out, is that our societies, the cities that we build, our structures, because they are built— By sinful fallen people, like it's almost an exponential growth of the potential for evil therein that lies, and that our structures propagate more evil more often than what our sinful little desires do because of the consequences that they have. If that's true, how are we to go about working for the justice in that system, and like what does it look like then for, I think, to bring this all back? Connecting our Sunday worship to our Monday work in this particular area
2: well and this and this will go back to our vision of discipleship that we we share as well. What does there look like? What does flourishing look like? What does it look like for the good, the true, the beautiful, the just to thrive even even all of us as as both sinful and, and sanctified but um I think many people can find many points of agreement on what flourishing looks like, on what their, the key is a vision of what their looks like. And then uh, looking at both individual iniquity and institutional injustice as as sort of two sides of the same coin of all, we're going to, we're going to be battling both. I have met good people caught up in bad systems, really good people. I used to, one one organization I worked for. I called it the Spirit of the Third Floor, and it was it was it was really surreal because the systems in place were not serving the mission. But you get those people out for a cup of coffee; they're the most amazing saints you'd ever meet. And so I think I think awareness of that. But I think one of the one of the questions I think that leaders and all of us can work on together is what does their look like. So with our vision, of, you've already laid out, hey, by the way, a, a, a disciple is becoming secure. A disciple is practicing the basics. A disciple is having healthy relationships, doing their work well for the glory of God, right? Uh, yeah. and, and, then, and, and some of the tools I've made are along those lines. Now, how do we get there? Oh, huge resources. But then what does a flourishing community look like? And by the way, there's great research done And of the importance of the local church, but not only the church as an institution, but every one of her commission members finding her or his place in their domain of society, making
1: it a better place. So I think what there looks like will help shape that. I love that. Dr. Self, thank you so much for your time today. I I remember... Being in seminary, and I did not have—I sort of looked down upon like leadership studies and sort of like this idea of visioning. But now that I've been out in the few, in the real world for a little bit and actually got to rub my shoulders with people, I'm recognizing more and more how much of a need there is, particularly, particularly in this area of discipleship, and as we try to go out in the world and live our lives for a vision. Of what living a lifestyle of discipleship actually looks like from day to day, because if we don't have that, if we don't actually know what that looks like, we sort of just end up gravitating towards what we've always done or what the familiar is. And uh, I mean, there are good things there, but what you're trying to do here and what your message is is trying to get us to move forwards and, and look at a different way. So I really appreciate you giving very good concrete examples and um, and really just living as an example that we can look at and say, okay. Self-admittedly, I don't have it all together, but this is an example of of a guy that we can definitely follow, and so I, I love your spirit and I love your attitude.
2: Thank you. And the same Holy Spirit is inspiring your team and your podcast to think in the same way. We're part of a revolution that's happening that's focused on Hebrews thirteen seven. Consider the outcomes of their way of life, and <clears throat> if we can have the outcomes become more important than the programs or methods. Then the programs and methods can change, but then that character of Christ and that impact in mission can can keep on growing.
1: Uh, Where can people go to find out more about you and follow your work and pick up copies of your book? Oh, lots of places, but um, madetoflourish.org
2: is who I have the joy of working for full-time. Obviously, if you have any interest in seminary education, I'm going to promote AGTS with great joy at agts.edu, drcharleself.com. Um, and then my books available, of course, on Amazon and most of those other places, but a couple other websites, I think people would really enjoy, um, the Oikonomia network, just oikonomianetwork.org. These are seminaries and ministry training colleges and universities that want this Sunday, Monday connection for leaders and for the church. So I'm part of the steering team there as well. And I think people could really enjoy the materials there. Um, I could name several more, but it's just a delight to be able to be a little bit of a broker of a lot of smart people's good material.
1: And you do have a list of all of the organizations that you're working with on your website, uh, drcharleself.com And so um, we will link to everything we've mentioned in the show notes. So if you forget anything, you can just click on the link there and go straight to it. Uh, Dr. Self, any other final uh, last parting words? I think
2: we are on the cusp of an awakening And that awakening is millions of intentional disciples waking up on Monday morning, realizing the same Holy Spirit that inspired that sermon, that prayer at the altar, has all of his gifts and graces available for what they're doing Monday morning. And when we awaken to that, we might awaken to injustice, we might awaken to suffering and difficulty, but when we awaken aware that God's with us and wants to work through us wherever we met, we're found, we're going to find ourselves in the midst of an awakening.
0: The same Holy Spirit who works in the church service on Sunday is with you wherever you go and whatever you do throughout the week. What you do today, even the most menial task, is part of what God is doing in the world around you today. I want you to recognize that what you do today can contribute to the flourishing of the kingdom of God through the Spirit's work in your life. Daily Growth Discipleship exists to help you create a lifestyle of discipleship that does just that. And listening to this podcast and checking out the resources on our site is a great way to start shifting your mindset into the kind of mindset that Dr. Self has been talking about all week long. So I want to challenge you as you go about your day-to-day to think about your life differently. Think about everything you do as part of God's work in the world around you, and take pleasure in knowing that God can use everything you do today even if it isn't what you may consider ministry.
1: How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible,
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Charlie and his work, check out drcharleyself.com. If you like what you've heard this week, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player you use. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.